This is the Assumption Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Assumption Church is a Roman Catholic community under the care of the Franciscan Friars Conventual of Our Lady of Angels Province. It is a community of faith which is active in service and its ministries bring the gospel message of peace, reconciliation, and love to Syracuse and all of Central New York. Your glory here among us. Great is our Today, this weekend on the church's calendar, we celebrate and commemorate the Most Holy Trinity. And every time we get to this part of the liturgical year, we celebrate a series of feasts that are intended to help us understand a little bit better and a little bit more closely different attributes of our God. We started with Easter and the resurrection, and we celebrated that Easter season for 50 days. We celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, followed by Pentecost, today's Feast of the Holy Trinity, and next weekend's Feast of Corpus Christi, when we celebrate the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of these feasts and solemnities that we celebrate help us to understand a different facet of the reality of our God. By extrapolation, as we celebrate them, those different attributes we celebrate in our God during this time need to be reflected in his people. And that, I believe, is the key to understanding these solemnities, these mysteries that we celebrate that seem almost incomprehensible. The Feast of the Ascension, when Jesus is taken up before his apostles, the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and today's feast and mystery and solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, how we believe that three individual people can be one at the same time. And it's not a mystery for us to understand, like a murder mystery or some sort of whodunit, but rather it's a mystery for us to enter into. And I don't think it's by perhaps coincidence that the church and our God has given us this feast at this particular time in our history. Because at the root of this feast and at the celebration of it is the celebration of equality, the celebration of mutual love, the celebration of respect for one another. When we celebrate the feast of the Trinity, we celebrate that mutual love that is held between a God that we believe is three persons in one divine Godhead. And that love exudes from one member of the Trinity to the other, so much so that it spills out and spills forth into the church. This belief in the Trinity and its nature is one that is fundamental and a bedrock belief for Christianity. This is the bottom line bedrock belief that undergirds and underpins everything we believe and everything we do. Because as Christians, everything we do is in the name 
of that triune God. By extrapolation, all of our relationships must mirror that love that is held between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every relationship, every encounter with someone we have should reflect that relationship of love, of equality, of acceptance, and of celebration. At this time in our civil history, our nation is somehow dealing with the question of racism. And it's a difficult topic for us to address. It's a difficult topic for us to address as Catholics, for us to address as Christians, and as Americans. Because too often, I think, we believe that our nation was founded on the principle of freedom, of equality, and it was. But the sentiment of racism is one that perhaps runs deeper than our love of freedom and equality. Because racism is something that was on these shores before we became a nation. And unfortunately, it continues to permeate almost everything in our society. We've come a long way, but we're not there yet. There is much work still to be done. Because any society, any place where the Christian church finds herself is 100% incompatible with the concept of racism. Perhaps nothing flies in the face of everything we believe as racism. It's something we still have to contend with and we still must work against. Racism is much like an iceberg. Only 10% of it is visible above the waterline. But the most dangerous part is that that lurks below the water that you cannot see. The passengers on the Titanic learned this all too well, that that part of the iceberg, not visible to the human eye, often causes the most damage. So too with racism. Perhaps the racism that lurks deep within each one of us is the one that causes the most damage because we don't always see it. We're not always aware of it, and we're not aware of the damage that it does. One of the thoughts I had this week as I reflected on our scriptures is that of the water lily. I love water lilies. I think they're one of the most beautiful flowers in the world. If you look at them and you see them in their natural habitats, they seem fragile. They look delicate. They look graceful. But this flower that appears to be so delicate and so fragile can be found on six of the seven continents of the world. It grows in every habitat from the tropics all the way to Siberia and to North America. It is a resilient flower that is not only able to handle extreme heat, extreme cold, but also provides within its roots a habitat of its own for fish and for frogs and different things to live. 
despite how delicate they look, they are not. And when I think of the water lily, I see the water lily as a symbol of hope, not only for its resilience in the face of struggle, but because of the painter who captured them so gracefully. When I think of the French painter, Claude Monet, I immediately think of the water lily and all the water lilies that grew in his garden in Normandy. My guess is you share the same thing, that when we think of the water lily, we think of that iconic picture of his Japanese bridge with the lilies below. But it's the, not so much maybe the lily, but the painter behind those lilies that intrigues me when it comes to hope. Because all of his water lilies were painted, the most prolific period of his life at the worst time of his life. He had lost two wives, both predeceased him, the death of a son, World War I raging in Europe, arthritis, many emotional problems, and he was going blind in one eye. But yet, despite all of that, he produced over 500 canvases depicting the water lily. I think the example of Claude Monet and perhaps that of the American experience meld together in the Holy Trinity. Because the example that Monet gives us is that regardless of how dark a period of time may seem, regardless of how violent, how fraught with strife, suffering, or depression, something beautiful can take root and blossom. The same can be said of the Trinity, that in moments of despair, in moments of profound suffering, God's grace is just as active as it ever is, leading us, guiding us. As we go through these next weeks in our country, not only confronted with the threat of pandemic and illness, we're also confronted with civil unrest, protests, riots, people yearning to breathe free. As Catholics and as Christians, I believe it is our job to continue to fight for the rights of all people, to continue to fight for racial equality, to continue to fight when we see our brothers and sisters being given anything less than full human dignity. But as we do so, to remember the water lily, that regardless of how dark and how bleak things may seem at a time, it may be a time of profound growth, profound change, and profound grace from our God. Thanks for listening to the Assumption Church Podcast. To listen to more episodes, connect with us in our community, or join us for worship, please visit assumptionsyr.org.